Good morning, everyone. It is Sunday morning. I'm so glad that I get to spend this time with you. Oh, uh, yeah, that is Snickers. He doesn't usually get in the camera much. He's, uh, he's a very, very old cat. And, uh, takes him a while to move around. He's actually, uh, I think we figured out, like, 21. It's pretty old for a cat. Uh, but I guess he decided to be in a shot today. So, and you'll have to forgive me. There may be a little more hacking and coughing than what you normally get. I have allergies really bad. And the, the weather here in Texas has gotten to where it's, uh, Cold in the mornings and warm in the afternoons, so my allergies are just like crazy. So, apologize in advance. Okay. Well, and it sounds like we have another cat scratching on the door outside, but she can just stay. So, um, what, what I have for you today is a, it's, it's really amazing. Um, I've been reading in Daniel, uh, for, mm, uh, I guess uh week, week and a half, maybe. It doesn't take that long to get through Daniel, but um, I, uh, I've i been reading it at work during my breaks, and uh, man, I just love the book of Daniel. And it's it's pretty amazing because, sorry, I keep looking around. I keep, we have another cat that's getting loud. Um, it's amazing about the book of Daniel. Cats. Let me try this again. It is amazing, the book of Daniel. There is so much in those 12 chapters. And um, what, what's amazing to me is um, I've been going to a, uh, to a church. Uh, that's why I've been preaching earlier uh, with a friend that's been looking for a church and uh, him and his family. And uh, I told him that I would go with him, you know, to, to help him... Uh, because he's the only one that's going to the church until he finds one that he, you know, that he feels, you know, at home in. And then he'll bring his family. So I've been going with him, and uh, my wife has been going also. Although uh, she may stay home today. She hasn't been feeling well. Um, and that preacher last week said he was going to start a series, and that series was Daniel. So I was reading Daniel, and I actually read throughout the Bible. Um, every day I could read between uh, three and seven different places in the Bible. I have like five Bible apps and I also read in in, in, a, in a, a reading Bible that I have that I take to work. And so when I felt like God was giving me this, this Daniel sermon, I was like, mm-hmm. It's just moan. Maybe, maybe it's just me, you know, because you know the, that pastor's going to start preaching Daniel, and I've been reading Daniel a lot. And I mean, he does he does pull from uh, my reading in um, at work. He I do make a lot of sermons from that reading, but so I tried for like thirty forty minutes to. found a sermon that just spoke to me and nothing, I mean, it was dead. So I went back to Daniel and boom. So I was like, okay, well, here we go. So, um, I would just like to say that I am so incredibly blessed. God called me a little over a year ago to preach this gospel and 
It has been the most incredible blessing. My congregation has slowly increased uh, online. Um, I don't preach to There's not a ton of you, and yet I am so filled with love that God has poured down upon me. So I am preaching to whomever God has sent me to preach to. And, and this ministry that we started, uh, Pastor Jason Gant that has started, uh, he started a, a shorter series. I think I brought it up last week. Um, it's, it's those, it's the little shorts videos. He started a series last week. Uh, he's gonna be Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And, man, just to see him blossom, he was ordained just a short while ago, and just to see him blossom, and he preaches to the nursing home that I used to preach to. And, um, those, that congregation, they just, they love him, they, they're hungry, they're hungry to hear him preach every week, to see him. It's just amazing what God can do. And even though I know that God can and does do so much, is, he is omnipotent, as he said. But he's so far beyond omnipotence. There's not a word for the power and the love of God. I mean, he's the creator of all things, but I just, God is good. You know, I mean, you hear it all the time. It's almost become a cliche. Kind of like, what would Jesus do? And God is good. All the time. All the time, God is good. Yes. The thing is, God is good all the time. So anytime anything wrong is happening or bad is happening or something's, you're like, how is this happening to me? Just remember, God is always good. You just can't see the good because you're in, you can't see past this moment in time. But, uh, let's pray and, um, where are we going? We're going to get into this. But yeah, I just thank you, Jesus, for this incredible, wonderful gift that you've given me. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this time together. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with this word that you've blessed me with. Please, Lord, speak through me. Put the words in my mouth that I need to speak. And let everyone listening, everyone seeing to be made close to you. Open their hearts to receive you, to receive Jesus, to receive truth. Let the sleeper be awakened. Let the non-believer be made to believe. And let us all be brought in closer to you into your inner sanctum, into your throne. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'm gonna step out of the screen and flip on the fan because I'm about to burn up. I wasn't gonna turn it on today because it's kind of chilly this morning, but sat in here for like five minutes with all these lots on. I'm just about to burn up. Okay. Uh, our title scripture is gonna be in Isaiah chapter 30. And then we're gonna be in Daniel chapter 3. Pretty much the rest of the time, and uh, and then Hebrew ha- Hebrews chapter eleven. I cannot talk today. So Isaiah chapter thirty, Daniel chapter three, and Hebrews eleven will close this. All right, Isaiah chapter thirty. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you for the Lord is a God of judgment blessed are all they that wait for him what is it to wait for God what is it to wait for God Almighty? One of uh, one of my favorite songs by uh, uh, an artist. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, the name of the song is "I Will Wait." I love that song. Have you ever prayed for something? I mean, something that you wanted so bad or something that you needed or you felt you needed so bad. And and, and every time you prayed, you prayed with like just a little bit of just... Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Just that, oh, Lord, please, I need this. Maybe not quite like that, but... And, and from one day to the next, you're just like... I really need this please and then it seems like it never happens and then one day you realize it did happen just not the way you expected it that's pretty much been the bulk of my prayer in my life even though I wasn't actually saved until a few years ago I believed my entire life, and I used to pray all the time, but I I didn't follow Him. I only prayed when I needed God, or I felt like I needed Him, and all the rest of the time, I just kind of tucked Him away and did what I wanted to do. There's a lot of believers, and I do this, because there are a lot of believers out there that aren't saved. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And follow him. For years I didn't get to follow him part. Honestly, in, in church, I never remember anyone talking about following 
I never remember the pastor saying, you have to believe and follow. And also, um, when I was a kid, I was saved, but I never actually asked Jesus into my heart. And you have to do that. And there's different ways. There's not one certain set in stone way to be saved. But for me, God wanted me to ask Him to come live inside me. And that's what I did. And from that point, that's when things started changing. But I prayed from the time I was 15 until the time I was probably almost 30. And this is before I was saved, mind you. To get married. In fact, that prayer led me, I mean, that, that desire to get married led me to some really failed, horrible relationships. But every failed relationship prepared me for marriage. God took all of the bad things that I did and all of the stupid things that I did to pursue this goal that I didn't have the faith to actually wait for. And he strengthened my heart and my soul and made me into the man that I am. And that man is a man that can be married to the most wonderful woman ever and handle anything that comes our way. Had he granted that prayer, had he answered that prayer and allowed me to get married when I was wanting I wouldn't have been strong enough. I've told many people, my failures, my upsets, my stupidity, God took all of that ridiculousness that I created and He made He made me strong through it. And then when I was ready, I met my wife. I didn't wait. And yet, I did. But imagine, I often imagine if I had to just wait and not try to answer that prayer myself, what, where I would be. Honestly, I shouldn't think that way. Because God's will be done. Have you heard that God's will be done? God's will be done. God is in control. You're not in control. I'm not in control. We have the free will to choose which direction we take. And God can give us an easy path, but we have a tendency to take the hard road. For the Lord God is the God of judgment, is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for Him. When you pray, 
wait for him for him to answer it. When you're in the midst of peril and you don't see a way out, pray and wait. And there will come a time in your life when that peril will overtake you. Because it's your time to go home. Everyone else in the world will be like, we prayed and prayed and prayed, and you still, he still suffered, he still fell, he still died, she still died, we prayed and she still died. But you're up in heaven like, thank you so much for taking me, All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 3. Chapter 3, and I'm, I broke this up in, a, in two parts. The first one is chapter one, I mean, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. So, 1 through 6. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. Nebuchadnezzar was a great king. It was actually Nebuchadnezzar the second. Nebuchadnezzar was the one that God used to take out the Jews, to punish them for their insolence, for turning away from him completely and serving false gods and demons. That's what false gods are, they're demons. You had you had Jews sacrificing their own children to these demons. For wealth and power. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So God sent Nebuchadnezzar to wipe out the evil. And only a few remained. And Nebuchadnezzar brought them back to Babylon with him. So... Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. If you want to know how much a cubit is, I believe Pastor Dance Wednesday, his Wednesday short, speaks on the cubit. Check it out. So he made an image of gold that was huge. And he set it up in the plain of Dura. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together, sent to gather, together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, the herald of the king. You know, the herald was one that, you know, stood up and spoke 
in front of everyone and told them, hey, this is what you're going to do. That at what time ye hear the sound... Oh, wait. Yes. That at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. So, he had his herald to tell all the leaders of the entire province... When you hear music, worship this golden image. Wherever you are, if you hear music, you get down on your knees and you worship this golden image. <clears throat> Verse six. And whoso faileth not, and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar, he created this golden image. Well, I'm sure he had a bunch of people do it for him because he's this great king. He created this golden image. And then he called, he, he set it up in the, in, in, on this plane. And it was huge. And he called all of the leaders of the province that he made leaders to come to see this image and dedicate it. And then they were commanded by his herald that when you hear music, and not just you, but all the people of the province, all the people in my kingdom, when, when they hear music, they have to get down on their knees and worship this golden image. Now what's amazing about this is God is the reason that Nebuchadnezzar won every battle he fought for a time. God sent him to the land to not just punish the Jews, but he went and punished Egypt and a whole bunch of other places too. And he won every battle he fought and it was the Lord's hand. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't really know that. He ended up knowing that, and we'll touch on that another day. He ended up realizing that the God of all creation is the one God. And that all these other gods, including this one that he made a golden image out of, could have possibly been his own image. There's a lot of kings in those days that thought themselves gods in themselves. But everything that happened this this sermon that I'm preaching on just added to opening and awakening Nebuchadnezzar's eyes to realize that there's one God. So he set up a golden image and anyone after this point in time, anyone that does not worship it when they hear music will be thrown in a burning, fiery furnace. That does not sound very fun. A, a burning, fiery furnace that's big enough for full-grown people to be thrown into. Anyone who doesn't worship this image. That is Satan. You know what Satan does? Doesn't he lay 
some burden down upon each and every one of us. A burden that seems ridiculous, but indomitable. Indomitable meaning basically indestructible, unstoppable. That's what Satan does. And Satan, well, he's been around since the beginning. And he uh, he went in his king and made this king to feel full of himself because he sacked all these all these nations. Made him to believe he can do whatever he wants. So he decides that his his people, they're gonna worship this image, or they're gonna be burned alive. Rough stuff. Alright, before we go on to the second, which will be Daniel chapter 3, verse 10, um, I want to pray again. Lord, please help us not to be afraid of evil men or of evil things. Help us not to fear Our love for you. Help us not to fear standing up and speaking for you on your behalf to others so that they can come and know that you reign. Help us not to fear even for our own lives and thus keep our mouths shut when we know we need to speak and be heard for Jesus' sake. God doesn't need us to stand up for Him, but He wants us to. Because when we stand up for Him, we strengthen our faith in Him. Lord, please give us that strength. Ask your friends. Humbly before you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. Daniel chapter 3, verse 10 through 30. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, that is a mouthful, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So this group of counselors, teachers, witches, mages, warlocks, whatever he had at his disposal... They decided, hey, these Jews that Nebuchadnezzar put over, you know, parts of his province, we're going to get them in trouble because they're not worshiping the golden image. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were put over these, this part of this province uh, because of Daniel. Daniel did uh, read a vision. Interpreted a vision for Nebuchadnezzar a while back. 
and only through the power of God was he able to do it. And so Nebuchadnezzar raised him in esteem as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's where they've been ever since. So all these other folks are like, man, no, we need to get rid of them. You know what? Let's point out that they're not worshiping the golden image. So here we are. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. So Nebuchadnezzar was instantly ticked. They're not worshiping my golden image? Oh no. Bring them here now. So they brought them. Verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? What's funny thing is, he knew this. He knew that they didn't. He just forgot. In his anger and his rage, he forgot. In his setting up the golden image and all the laws that he set against it, he forgot. Verse 15, Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? (laughs) He was not happy. And he even did a little bit of uh, blasphemy. Of course, he didn't realize at the time, but he came to realize it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, verse 16, and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We are not careful. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are telling King Nebuchadnezzar with all of his his folks around, all of his captains, everything, that we're not careful to answer you. We're going to answer you straight. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to fear. We're not going to be careful. We're just going to answer you. Verse 17, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So, they answered him, and they weren't careful. And they basically said, if God wants to deliver us from a burning, fiery furnace, He will. And we know it. We know that He can. But even if He doesn't deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace, we will never turn away from God. We will never worship any other false god, nor will we worship the golden image. We are God's children. Basically is what they said. 
He didn't take it very well. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage which was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A visage is kind of a, the way he appeared to them. His form was changed. He was ticked. Ticked off. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. So basically he told them, heat it up even more than is possible. Heat it up one more time more than it's even possible to be heated. Over seven times. So like this furnace is ridiculously over the top hot. Verse 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. So not only was he going to cast them in the burning fiery furnace, but he got his biggest, strongest guys to bind them up so that them being bound, they're going to be bound very, very tight to the point that, you know, it's, it's a very, I mean, I'm sure they were bang, bounded violently. So it was painful being bounded by these really strong and mighty men. Because, you know, like really strong guys uh, don't know their own strengths, so like sometimes they'll break things not meaning to. So when they're binding, and they're bind, they're already binding them violently, it, it's going to hurt them to be bound. Verse 21. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. They were bound in everything that they were wearing. And they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Verse 22. Therefore, because the king's commandment... was urgent, the first, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So those mighty men, the most mighty men from his army, bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them in the furnace. And the furnace was so hot, it literally burned those mighty men. Killed them. So in Nebuchadnezzar's Nebuchadnezzar's rage, he killed the strongest men in his army in order for them to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this burning fiery furnace, this exceedingly hot burning fiery furnace. These mighty strong men were killed because the heat was so great. You ever sit around a bonfire? I mean, the bonfire is burning, but you're having to stand you know, 10, 20 feet back because the heat is so great that it feels like it's, you're going to catch on fire and you're like 10, 20 feet away. Yeah. Think of that, except they were a lot closer. <clears throat> Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. astonished. And rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. So he's looking in that furnace. And he's like, 
We threw three men in there. Bound, correct? Yes. Verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. I know I'm getting chills right now. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, that verse really gets me. Have you ever been thinking one thing? but said something else and you don't know why you said it but what you said was true and what you were thinking was wrong or have you spoken without thinking and when it came out it was accurate but there was no thought behind it I'm going to reread it because there's there's power here. Verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar. Doesn't he believe in lots of gods? Doesn't he believe there are multiple gods and that's why this all this mess is happening? And yet, what he said in the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Singular. The Son of God. His words were spoken true. That fourth one walking around in there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were loose as well. Walking in the midst of that burning fiery furnace that was so hot it killed the men that threw them in there. Walking around free with the form of one like the Son of God. That, my friends, was Jesus. Before he had the name Jesus, before he came to this world and was born as a child and grew up and preached the gospel, his gospel, his news, that set a new doctrine that formed a new covenant and then died so that we are redeemed and then resurrected so that we are made eternal sent his apostles out throughout the world and ascended into heaven to prepare a way for us that fourth person was in fact the son of God and Nebuchadnezzar said it himself <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar spoke the words truth. And the form 
of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26, came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. They just walked right out. And the princes, governors, and captains, and kings, counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. They weren't so much as singed. They didn't even have the smell of the fire on them. Have you ever put wood on the fire and just stood there and warmed by it and, you know, then, and then like walked into another room and you could smell yourself? Even outside. But when a fire burns, the, that smoke that comes out, it, it just, your clothes absorb it, so does your skin. They did not even smell of the fire. <coughs> Pardon me. They did not even smell of the fire. When they were cast into that firing furnace, they were loosed of their bound, of their binds, and Jesus was among them. And the fire had no power over them. No dominion. They were protected by the glory and power of God Almighty. And Nebuchadnezzar, not even realizing it, his words spoke true. One of the few things that were accurate. There was a lot of things that he said that was just way off in the left field. Way, way, way off in the left field. In fact, we're about to come to something else that's way out there. He was a character. But he spoke true. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. My base. He said, Peace of God. One God. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Here we go. That every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And he was serious. Anyone that spoke against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God, of all creation. Be one God. God Almighty. They would be cut into pieces and their home would be made of dunghill. Again, Nebuchadnezzar didn't really say a lot of things that made sense. He was generally wrong in a lot of what he said. 
But he was so right when he said the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Verse 30, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I love this story. They boldly spoke against the king. Not cocky. Not full of themselves. But bold, bold yet humble. We will not be careful on how we speak to you. God can deliver us from this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we will never worship any God other than the one God. We will never worship any image. We will only worship God Almighty. We will worship God. When they were being drugged to that fiery furnace, they were praying. Believe that. Maybe just within their minds, praying. God can read our hearts and our minds. Have you ever wondered if you just pray in your head, if God hears you, He hears you. As Jesus said, God searches our hearts. He knows what we're thinking. Just as he said, any man that looks on a woman with lust has already committed adultery. God knows the good and the bad in our hearts and our minds. They were praying. They were hoping to be delivered. But they weren't screaming or crying or begging for their lives. They were waiting for God. They were waiting for God to move. And He moved. They were bound violently, painfully, I'm sure. And they were thrown in that furnace. Just being thrown in that furnace. Just being thrown in and, and you know, you're bound so you can't catch your fall. Just being thrown in and hitting the ground by incredibly great and mighty men could have killed them. Definitely would have hurt. But there was not a hair on their head hurt. And their binds were loosed. And they were walking free in the midst of a burning fiery furnace that was so hot it killed the men that weren't even in the flames that threw them in. If God hadn't have acted on the behalf of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would have died before they even got into the fire, into the flame. They prayed and they waited. And they were bold in their speaking and their words. They had no fear. Well, I'm sure they had fear. But their fear did not control them. It did not keep them from speaking the truth. And the truth is, God is the only God. God is the one God. God is the creator of all things. Heaven and earth. 
the entire universe, everything we know to exist and everything that we don't know. We are not the center of the universe. There is but one God. I'm sure they were afraid. But they were bold. They spoke through their fear. Humble. And they stood up for what they knew to be true. Not They didn't stand up thinking they were true. They were right. They stood up knowing that God moves and God lives. And they said that if God wants to deliver us, if God wants to deliver us, He can and He will. And even if He doesn't, we will never worship any God but the one true God. That's what's wrong with this whole world today. No one is willing to stand in the face of death and destruction. Or anymore, no one's willing to just be ridiculed for speaking truth. You have believers and followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus all over the world believing in Jesus and walking in His ways that will not stand up for Him. He came and died on the cross so that we can live and they will not speak up for fear of ridicule pain destruction even death but I, what I don't understand is the death part we know as disciples of Jesus Christ that death isn't really death this body goes away and we are no more we are no longer stuck in this thing. The body hits the ground and the spirit goes to be with God. There is no death. And yet, God's people are afraid. They are fearful. That their lives on in this fallen world will be disrupted. So they keep their mouth shut and they let all this evil run rampant. And we've got to. Church, we have to. We have to act as the body of Christ. We have got to walk in the Spirit. We have got to follow Him completely with all of our beings. Love Him with all of our hearts and our souls and our mind and our strength and our spirit and everything that we are. Every bit of our being. Serve Him with all of it. Despite ridicule. If you lose your house, 
God will give you another one. Or he'll find you a warm place to sleep when it's cold outside. He'll find you a cool place to sleep when it's hot outside. He'll send you food. You will not go without. Will you suffer? You'll suffer. You'll suffer for him. As Jesus said, we would suffer. As Jesus suffered. And if the point in time comes where there's nowhere, there's nowhere on this earth for you, then God will bring you home. Quit being afraid, church. Quit fearing what this world can do to you and stand up for the God of all creation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, stand up for Him who stood up for you. God doesn't need us to stand up for Him, but He wants us to. He doesn't need us to speak truth, but He wants us to. We have free will. We have the freedom to choose God and not to choose Him. He wants us to choose Him and to continue to choose Him no matter what we face. Even a burning, fiery furnace cannot keep us from God. <clears throat> Nothing can keep us from God. But ourselves. We can deny Jesus. And as he said, if you deny me, I will deny you before my Father. If we seek him, always seek him, always pursue him, always follow him, we will never be without him. But if we turn away and we choose to walk in the world, then we've lost eternal life. We've lost the only one truth. Don't fear. You know there's a quote, don't fear the reaper. Don't. Don't fear the reaper. Don't fear death. And wait for God. Wait for Him to move. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to close. <clears throat> Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is God. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Have faith in God and always be seeking Him. Always be moving towards God. Never be standing still. When you, when you hear God say, peace be still, that doesn't mean stand in place. That means continue to seek Him. But wait for Him. Waiting for Him is not standing in place. Waiting for Him is continuing to move towards Him and waiting. 
waiting for him to lead you. If you pray for something that you feel you need, wait for him to answer. And in that time frame, continue to seek him. Continue to believe. Believe and trust in God is faith. Believing and trusting God. Wait for Him. Let's pray. Lord, we love You. Thank You for the sermon that You've given, this word that You've given. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for Jesus, for giving us hope, for giving us life beyond this one. Forgiven us truth in a world full of lies and wickedness and destruction. Thank you, Lord, for keeping the devil at bay, for keeping him from keeping us from you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Lord, I pray these words they move and everyone that hears them and it leads them to believe and trust in you to wait for you and to be bold to be bold in your word bold in how they live their lives bold, boldly living for you, walking in the Spirit and following Jesus. Give them boldness. Give us boldness. Help us to be bold yet humble. Thank you for everything, for loving us so much. Ask and pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you for spending this time with me. God bless you.